great to be here tonight. You're pathetic. You're all pathetic. Sorry, that's just how the uh, monkeyers say hello. Say hello. Okay, welcome to episode two of Undecided. I'm uh, Tara Mahoney, and I'm here with my co-host, Kate Reef. Hello. And um, we are talking about housing this week, which is a big issue in the province of Ontario, um, not just in Toronto. But before we get to that, uh, we are going to go through the headlines from this week. <laughs> so we got first, we've got... Um, what, what do we have first, Kate? Well, I guess the biggest one in Ontario right now and what um, we're both still reeling from is... The election of Doug Ford as the leader of the Provincial Conservative Party, the Progressive Conservative Party in Ontario. And reeling. Reeling, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this weekend he held his first big rally after being elected in Etobicoke. About 2,000 people went, apparently. Neither of us were in attendance. No. And spirit of honesty. Maybe we should have gone for like reconnaissance. Yeah. Um, so he came on stage to the song Eye of the Tiger, <laughs> which in itself is a terrifying image. It's very, very scary. And I, for that reason, I'm really glad neither of us were there. Yeah. Um, weirdly, Trump has also used that song as an entrance to a rally. Except um, not that weirdly. Uh, yeah, not, that, not weirdly. that weirdly. I feel like old white guys really love that song. Yeah. Like really, Hell yeah, dude. really love it. Um, so at this rally, he used some familiar kind of scary rhetoric, stuff like take back Ontario, didn't really go into make Ontario great again, but Mm -hmm. I feel like that's not an impossibility. Definitely not. Um, he has the like same kind of off the cuff, um, like populist sort of like, um, it, populist would actually, I don't even want to give him that because populist would imply like some sort of actual forethought you know (laughs) but this is just like this is just like uh, you know folks we're gonna we're gonna lower your taxes and that's my plan yeah so he wants to cut taxes increase mining in northern ontario um roll back ontario sex ed reforms um roll back rent control and the foreign buyers tax which we'll get into later don't worry we're not Um, just throwing these terms around and leaving you in the dark and he also wants to get rid of ontario's cap and trade carbon tax system which is coming up in another episode wait cap and trade not carbon tax. yeah sorry cap and trade carbon tax is a different different thing don't worry we're gonna get to that yeah (laughs) um so basically he's all over the place on a bunch of different issues like he wants to privatize marijuana and alcohol sale which isn't like a normal conservative standpoint, but yeah. then some of his other stuff, like cutting taxes, is. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, although, if you like, if you look at like kind of the more conservative provinces of Canada, like uh, like Alberta, um, your prairies, they have uh, they have private alcohol sales, mm-hmm. and actually, um, it is kind of it is kind of conservative. To want to privatize, not the weed stuff, but I feel like I feel like accurately the conservative party, and you could hear this in the debates too. I feel like accurately they've they've been like, okay, yeah, like marijuana is going to be a thing, like because it's federal, like they can't do anything about it. Uh, So that like I feel like accurately they've been like, okay, we're going to have to deal with this some way. Mm -hmm. Um, So actually privatizing that, I feel like that is actually a conservative thing because. They, they want to privatize everything. They, they believe in the free market mm-hmm. and, like, the market will do the, 
the correction and the government we should like the government should do like I think the little the least amount that's mm. what, I guess what that cons- that's what conservatives believe but I don't even know if Doug Ford is a true conservative no he's like he's in between like populism and like regular PC party views and this new and, and emerging uh, kind of political ideology called Trumpism <laughs> um, which is just like anything yeah. <laughs> you just yell things really loudly yeah just yell bigoted, bigoted shit and tweet yeah. Okay, um, so next headline is, um, uh, so a kind of couple big policy announcements we've seen from the NDP and the mm-hmm. Liberals. Um, it's really early off, so none of these, um, most of these policy annou- announcements don't include very much detail. Although, at a first glance, um, I have to say that the um, just the taglines of the NDP uh, platform just sound really attractive, and they are. Yeah, dude. Pharmacare for everyone, which is which means like everyone gets free prescription drugs. Which so, which is already happening in Ontario right now, though, right? I'm not everyone. Course. Not oh, just everyone. Under 25, everyone sorry, under yeah. twenty five. Okay. Which awesome for Kate and I, still under twenty five, <laughs> but I'm going to be twenty five next year. So like, <laughs> time I is like those NDP. <laughs> time is running out. Um, uh, I did get free birth control uh, last month, which is very exciting for the first time. Um, but so NDP want pharmacare for everyone. So that this would basically extend that to everyone, cool. um, which is great. Which mm-hmm. is, like no one can argue with yeah, that. Yeah, free drugs. Fucking great. sweet. Yeah. Um, then there's dental care for everyone. Mm-hmm. So right now in Ontario, if you didn't know, um, you're like a lot of your health care is covered by OHIP, uh, which is the Ontario healthcare plan. So um, like you don't have to. The reason you go to the doctor and you don't have to pay is because that's provided by the province. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, we don't have some fucking crazy system like in the United States where you have to like pay out of pocket, pay out of pocket yeah. for. But dental care is really expensive. Ben- dental Ontario. care is uh, privatized. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not public, and um, and uh, if you don't have insurance, um, or even if you do have insurance, you have to pay. Yeah, you still have to pay a fuckload. And like, and you know, you can argue that like, um, you know, these uh, like. Uh, healthcare it, in Ontario technically isn't free. You pay for it in your taxes, but it's provided by the government. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so uh, dental care, so so pharmacare for everyone, dental care for everyone. This mm-hmm. is the NDP platform, um, and then she also added something about uh, Andrea Horvath. Also added something about student loans and turning part of them into grants, which um, like uh, again, like can't really. Uh, argue with that uh student loans being turned into grants would basically mean that like instead of like getting a loan and having to pay the government back you would just like get the money sounds great Mm -hmm. um but i don't really know she didn't really specify as to whether this would be in conjunction with the um uh with the uh kathleen win policy about uh about uh, that she did, I think she put this out last year. Uh, she, the province has extended healthcare to Ontario. Healthcare, the province has extended um, tuition uh, to Ontario Ontarians that make under like a certain amount. I think it's fifty thousand. Yeah, so low-income families get um, free post-secondary education, um, which is amazing, mm-hmm. and hundreds of thousands of people have already benefited benefited from this. Um, 
Um, so Andrea Horvath didn't say whether like she'd roll that back or this like grant thing would be in conjunction with that. So, um, and again, like there's no specifics cause it's so early on, but I'm really interested to see what happens with that because I feel like you really, you want to like keep, or at least for me, you'd want to keep the like protection for low income people and mm-hmm. their post-secondary education fees. Um, and, uh, speaking of Kathleen Wynne, she also had some policy announcements this week in her throne speech, um, where she, uh, kind of made some very vague um, but good uh, announcements about uh, what like you can expect from the Liberal Party uh, and the government mm-hmm. um, coming for, uh, going forward uh, before the election. So basically it's a huge spending plan. Yeah. Um, and um, one thing uh, that's going to happen is it's going to like bring the government back into deficit. They estimate about $8 billion. Um, and um, the reason that's significant is because the, the liberals promised that they would um, they would uh, eradicate the deficit in their last election, and they did. They balanced the budget uh, last year, but uh, um, I, like I don't really care about the government deficit to be honest with you at all, because <laughs> if people can't again if people can't pay for stuff, then who cares if there's a government uh, deficit? But uh, yeah, so right before the election, she just promised today, which is the 22nd of March, that Ontario's hospitals are getting more money, eight, $822 million, so which is a 4.6% boost from last year, which is supposed to help overcrowding and quote-unquote um, hallway medicine. Yeah, which actually I've seen happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was in a hospital in October, and people were being treated in the hallway yeah. for, like, severe, like, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no one had any privacy. Uh, and uh, I'm not saying that's happening everywhere necessarily, but I saw that downtown Toronto, and it was very, uh, it was very uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, there's, like, that. that's obviously, so that's like, a huge issue. that's going to kick in issue. within the next couple months. That's going to kick in before the election, actually. Yeah. So we'll see if that makes a real impact in Ontario. Yeah. Um, and then uh, other uh, kind of promises that were made in the throne speech, again, very vague, um, but we'll know in the, there's a, the budget is being released next week, so mm-hmm. they'll have specific spending and policy measures that will speak to these promises. But um, Kathleen Wynne also said PharmaCare for everyone. She didn't say for everyone. She said she will extend it to more, to include more people in the uh in the province so i don't know what that means um what else did she say um 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 to expand access to health care and to oh, include more affordable child care health care inc- uh, expand access to health care including mental health care mental health care which okay, cool. um, is big that's a big thing um, so yeah, we don't really know anything about that uh, yet, but we will we will have a comprehensive breakdown of the budget when it is released next week. Actually, maybe that's the, should be our topic for next week. Oh, that's actually good. Yeah. You actually have a really cool newspaper voice there too. Did you <laughs> next week? <laughs> Sick. Okay, so uh, now uh, onto our topic for this week, uh, which is housing. Um, uh, if you live in the city of the, of Toronto or in the GTA, um, you are definitely affected by this issue and policies uh, that uh, kind of have to do with housing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I guess we'll just do a quick rundown because uh, Chris, our guest of Toronto Housing Matters, which is a housing group that is... Um, trying to lower the cost of housing in the city of Toronto will explain a lot of stuff in about five minutes. Uh, but 
a couple things to run over are uh, the kind of the different policies that we know of uh, from the different leaders um, right now. So Mm -hmm. as of uh, March 22nd, 2018, um, Kathleen Wynne has introduced a foreign buyer's tax of 15%. Yeah. um, And that means, um, so there's a people uh, who like are not Canadian who will come into like cities like Toronto and Vancouver and they will buy homes or they'll buy residences um, and because they're like they're rich they have a lot of money um, they drive up the cost of housing um, by reducing the vacancy rate mm-hmm. so there's like there's less there's less houses when they buy houses. There's le- there's fewer of them, um, and then also like the when you buy a house, there's a bid. So um, the house goes to the highest bidder. Uh, so these people, these foreign buyers, they can outcompete like regular Torontonians or Ottawans or GTAers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that drives up the cost of housing. So Kathleen would introduce a tax on those uh, buyers of fifteen percent to encourage or to discourage them from buying in the city of Toronto um, or or anywhere else in in Ontario but Toronto is a lot of the place where these houses are being bought these Mm -hmm. residents are being bought Um, she also introduced a policy around rent control Um, there was a there's a policy on um, rent for landlords uh, for pre-1991 houses, that is houses built before 1991, that says you can't raise the cost of your rent per year more than a certain percentage. I think it's 2.5%. I think, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's right. Um, which is, um, uh, and as the cost of housing in Toronto goes up, um, like, and the cost of living goes up, um, landlords have to, like, necessarily to, like, keep making money on their resident residents, they have to, like, keep raising the house, uh, the, the cost of rent. Um, but the yeah. problem was, is that this applied only to pre-1991 houses, and there's mm-hmm. been so much development in the city of Toronto. Um, yeah. uh, you see condos being built here all the time. Um, so, uh, the, that policy didn't extend to people living in those condos or those new residences. So what was happening is people were getting economically evicted from their homes, which means the landlord would raise the cost of rent so much that it would be impossible, like, for people to continue living there. Um, and you can imagine, like, how awful and traumatizing that would be, especially given the vacancy rate in the city of Toronto is, like, 1%. So, um, it's really hard to find a new, a new Mm -hmm. place. Yeah. So these proposals were put, or these policies, sorry, were put in place in 2017, I think it was April of last year, in 2017, mm-hmm. um, right when the Toronto market was like at its craziest peak in terms of housing costs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think things have settled down since then, but what's worrisome is that Doug Ford um, wants to roll back these changes. So he wants to eliminate the foreign buyer's tax and to eliminate rent control again because he has no clear policy and he just says a bunch of shit really loudly folks it's hard to tell um exactly what he means by rolling back rent control so we don't know if it's going to go all the way back to 1991 or get rid of the whole thing entirely Mm -hmm. Um, and just have it be like a fucking free free market where just rich people and toronto will become a city for the rich if that happens like it will be impossible for anyone to live here well already it's pretty debilitating to get an apartment in toronto never mind a home yes like i'm i'm resigned to the fact that i will not be able to afford a house in toronto like probably ever yeah no it's safe (laughs) unless like i inherit 
Yeah. Unless my whole family dies in, like, a freak accident. And I would say that's the experience, as Chris does speak to this, this mm-hmm. is the experience of a lot of people our age and people a little bit older than us, too, who are, like, now at the age where people normally, like, buy a, ho- a mm-hmm. home because they're starting a family, and yeah. no, no no one can afford, uh, mo- most people in Toronto um, can't afford that. Yeah, and that's a scary thing because you literally can't put down roots in a city that mm-hmm. maybe you grew up in or you spent the last 10 years living in where you and your partner live or where you and your friends live or whatever. It's hard not to see a future for yourself in your own city. Yeah, definitely. Um, and um, this issue does not just affect Ontarians. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris is, or sorry, Torontonians, but also not Ontarians. This issue is not just privy, like, Torontonians are not the only people who, like, experience housing issues. Yeah, housing Um, costs are going up in Ottawa, mm -hmm. Kingston. And uh, Chris speaks to, like, the other, like, some other um, Ontario-specific stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And so, and then Andrea Horvath, um, like, hasn't really given anything specific on housing um, in the uh, very (laughs) hilarious... um, PDF that the NDP have on their website. That's their whole policy platform. Um, <laughs> it's in a PDF. It's very inaccessible. And it's, it's really hard to find. Uh, they, she basically supports like the Catholic one policy, uh, which like sounds good to me. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. Um, okay, so I'm here with Housing Matters founder Chris Spoke. Uh, Chris runs a meetup called Housing Matters, and mm-hmm. the mission, correct me if I'm wrong, is to uh, make housing more affordable in the city of Toronto. Yeah, we say we, we advocate for more housing availability um, and affordability. So both price and, and just whether you could find something at all. Cool. Um, and so uh, based on like what you understand, uh, and for someone who doesn't really know anything about this can you explain what's going on in toronto right now uh with housing why is it so expensive Mm -hmm. yeah so i I assume a lot of the audience will be from toronto so it's no surprise that prices have been rising pretty steadily over the past three four five six years um kind of accelerating over the last three years even though you know some minor corrections along the way but but like a pretty clear trend um to Toronto becoming a more expensive city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the availability front, we're seeing it's a lot harder to find units at all when you're when you're looking for, let's say, a one or two bedroom apartment. Uh, the CMHC tracks rental vacancy rates, which is one way that we measure um, how many available units there are. Toronto has a 1.1% rental vacancy rate, which is very low. Um, a healthy city um, rental vacancy rate should be around 3% or maybe 4%. So... Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of units uh, available, and the units that are available are increasingly expensive. Uh, for the renters out there, I think we've recently crossed the threshold where a one-bedroom apartment is now averaging more than $2,000 per month. Mm-hmm. Uh, a two-bedroom is now averaging more than $2,500 per month. And houses, um, if you want to buy across all housing types, uh, average prices are now well over $700,000. So we're, we're moving down the road to becoming... Um, Maybe more like Manhattan or the Bay Area, where where it's much worse, but we're we're kind of going in the wrong direction on this. Um, yeah. So with with our group, just to answer your question, we look at what are the factors that contribute to this situation to housing housing being both scarce and expensive. Um, what we mainly land on are land use rules that are set in provincial or municipal policy that make it hard to build enough new housing to accommodate. We have population growth in Toronto. 
Um, we have growing household formations, meaning that if you have a household with say five people, two parents, three kids, once those kids all grow up, they each need their own place, even though the population um, doesn't doesn't increase to mm-hmm. to account for that that right. new demand on on housing. Um, so a lot of people are moving to the city, and even within the city, we're seeing just a lot more demand for housing, and we're not building enough supply of housing to kind of keep a lid on on prices. So you often run into situations where, um, you know, recently I, I got a two-bedroom apartment and I was competing against five other applicants. Um, and then when you get in those situations, the bargaining power obviously shifts in favor of either the seller or the landlord, um, and they could jack prices up and it's the highest bidder that ultimately gets the unit. Um, so we look at the land use rules that make it harder to build enough new housing to, to not have that situation. So um, is the cost of housing in Toronto, is that only because of a lack of demand or excuse me, a lack of supply? Like um, there's like not very many available units. So uh, like the ones that are available uh, are able to be like super expensive. Yeah, well, prices generally are functions of both supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Um, So definitely when you look at what various levels of government have done to address this issue, there is a lot of work on on identifying certain contributors to to high demand um, and seeing if they could be uh, addressed. So provincially, as part of the Fair Housing Plan, um, the Liberal government introduced a tax for on foreign buyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so foreign buyers add to the demand of of uh, for housing. Um, municipally, we've been looking at regulating short-term rentals. Uh, so, if there's an available rental unit, you could either throw it on Airbnb as a short-term rental, um, in which case it might be kind of rented by the night to tourists, let's say, or put in a long-term rental market and, and made available to to residents. Um, so, so definitely short-term rentals, uh, just that use case and, and kind of how it was opened up by Airbnb uh, contributes to, to rising demand. Um, so prices are, are a function of both. We focus on supply because we think um, that that's the, the bigger problem right now. Whenever you, you try to reduce demand, um, there's some group ultimately that you're trying to cut out, cut out of the market, whether it's foreigners or tourists mm-hmm. um, or... Um, those are the, the kind of the, the two big ones that people are looking yeah. at. But when you increase supply, the, there's l- a less obvious harm. Um, when you just build more housing, you might have increased, uh, let's say, shadow impacts on neighbors. If you build like a four-story um, apartment next to a, a, a one-story house, or you might have some some increased congestion and, and kind of some strains uh, around um, the use of, of infrastructure. But generally, increasing supply... Um, contributes to economic welfare overall mm-hmm. you get more production of the thing that we think we need we need more of which is homes um and then there's all these other kind of uh side benefits like increased uh employment in the construction sectors and that sort of thing right so um you you spoke about the uh the uh, the provincial government's uh kind of steps mm-hmm. uh to um put a tax on foreign buyers so that um that's kind of out of the way um how much of a provincial issue is this since this is um, we're looking at like who's gonna you know give us the best shot uh, in June right um, like what um, like uh, how much under provincial stuff does this fall yeah so so land use in Toronto is mostly governed by two big policy documents that are municipal um, one is called the official plan um, and the other is called the zoning bylaw uh, the official plan however is a document that tries to reflect provincial uh, policy goals. 
so the so the the province has um, its own policy where it kind of directs where it thinks uh, density should be increased, um, and then and then through that directive, then these municipal policies are are trying to kind of keep up. Okay. Um, but generally speaking, we find that one of the reasons why we started this group is because. Municipal politics is often dominated by um, what we call NIMBYs, not in my backyard. So yeah. these would be people in neighborhoods that oppose construction of new units in their neighborhoods because they want to, for whatever reason, either keep things the way they are or not welcome renters into a neighborhood that's mostly owners. They don't want a big condo building. They don't want a they big want condo building. Down or they don't something. want the shadow impact. They don't want more people using their local bus stop. Um, and they, they generally turn out to vote more than, let's say, like young renters do. Uh, so councillors uh, kind of understand that and 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 vote in council accordingly. So so a lot of municipal policy is kind of guided and controlled by the NIMBYs, um, whereas we're trying to create this constituency of YIMBYs, yes, in my backyard, of people Yimbies. who kind of think that we need more housing and that that's, that's one way that we get prices to be a little more reasonable. Um, but there is a discussion within YIMBY circles, uh, and I say circles because there are equivalent YIMBY groups um, in uh, major cities throughout North America, um, that is, at a certain point you realize that it's a higher level of government that probably needs to step in and, and bring order. Right. Um, because provincial MPPs uh, often obviously might not even be from Toronto, so they're not, they're not as, they don't face as much pressure from the local politics of, of the NIMBY groups and the Residents Association. Right. Um, so cities in Ontario are creatures of the province. Land use rules is guided by municipal politics, but the province does have both the power and I would say um, like a pretty clear mandate to force cities to get their act together on, mm -hmm. on this issue. So um, if uh, pretend um, you're voting in June, mm -hmm. you probably will, but Prob I don't, probably. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that much about you. You might, you might be one of these people that doesn't vote. If you're voting in June, what do you want to see from a uh, provincial government? Um, what would you want to see from a platform perspective or just a, gov a provincial government on this issue? Right. Um, so what we've seen so far is the Liberal government has, has put forth their fair housing plan. Uh, kind of the biggest, the biggest items there were, one, the foreign buyers tax that I talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, there was another uh, another item to extend rent control protection. Um, so rent control in Ontario prior to the Fair Housing Plan only extended to buildings that were built pre-1991. Mm -hmm. This extended it to all buildings, including those built after 1991. Mm -hmm. uh, and, then, and then the third thing was they... Wait, pause. Talk about what rent control is for a second because right, I don't yeah. know what that is. So rent control basically sets uh, the rate at which you can increase your rent year over year as mm -hmm. a landlord. Mm -hmm. um, so depending on whatever formula the, the province comes up with, um, you don't have full discretion on increasing your rents. Um, you you would have to stay within a certain a certain threshold. And anybody living in an older building is probably already familiar with that. They yes. know that there are guidelines that are set. You know that rents can only be increased by so much. Mm -hmm. um, so that so that's another thing that the the Liberal government did. And then the third thing, um, the third big thing um, was when projects when development projects are uh, rejected municipally in city council. Um, developers have the recourse of appealing that decision at the Ontario Municipal Board, and this is a provincial kind of legal body. Mm -hmm. um, so the province, so the, the city doesn't like that. Councillors don't like that because they think it removes control from right. from council and from the city. 
So the provincial government has introduced Bill 139, which is to reform the OMB, the Ontario Municipal Board, um, and devolve a lot of that pow- power to the municipalities. So that's that's what they've done. Okay. Um, what I would like to see, um, it depends how specific we want to get. If I was going to get really specific, we look to the Bay Area as a part of the U.S. that is much worse than we are on this issue. It's like the worst case scenario. It's the worst case scenario. We really don't want to go there. Um, and because of that, they also have the most active Yimby groups. So we model ourselves after some of theirs. Okay. Um, and one big success they've had is to get the state of California um, – I don't know the full like policy framework, how it works over there, but there's this bill, SB 827, um, which would be a statewide bill that would mandate, the state would mandate that cities allow for certain densities within a certain radius of transit. So let's say within 500 or 1,000 meters of a subway station or a bus stop or streetcar stop, you would have to have something like a minimum of four to eight stories, You know, depending on what the details are. But it's basically taking some of that power away from the cities to block added density and say wherever there's transit because transit is partially funded by the province you need to increase the density to one make the transit investment worthwhile so that there are enough people actually using it and also two to just address this problem of That's housing interesting. affordability is this like is this like for new buildings or no or, so this, this would apply like you, they would actually be like you, you actually have to instead of um this being for like when you build like a building, it has to be for if it's residential, it has to be at least X. Right. This is actually saying you need to build more buildings here. Right. And they need to like fulfill this. Yeah. So it would mean that. So first of all, developers want buildings to be as tall as possible because they make they make money on it. You take the, the cost of the land is pretty fixed, and the more units you could fit on that land, you're spreading those costs okay. across all yeah, those yeah, units. Yeah. That makes so sense. So it, it basically means that if a developer were to buy like a a single family detached house within that radius, um, then they could apply for a four or eight story um, mid-rise condo, um, depending on on what the rules allowed for. And the city wouldn't be able to reject it. They'd have to allow for it. Okay. Um, So that's what they're doing in California. And I would love to see something similar here. Wow. Um, It would be a big step, but I think this problem, first of all, housing is important enough. I mean, we all pay rent, so we all, you know, buy houses and and pay mortgages. Um, And we're on a pretty bad trajectory where we risk Toronto becoming a playground for the rich or lucky Mm -hmm. or old people who who have just been around for long enough that they got in before the market got really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that's good for anybody. It's not good for the city. It makes it less dynamic and interesting. It's not good for the country. Like one one third of of Canada's GDP, I think, is generated in, in Toronto. And if we remove some of that dynamism and opportunity mm-hmm. then then we all suffer that's so true um if you think about a lot of these people these nimby people um not all of them are like this but a lot of people um that are against like these big condo developments are like people who live in the annex or something like that who like actually who say they really like um, value, um, culture and, um, and like diversity and like these like kind of essential elements about Toronto Mm -hmm. that, um, that makes our city so great, but you can't have those things if like people, uh, um, under uh, like only people above a certain income bracket can live here. Yeah, for sure. And and you see, so Toronto generally is, is a pretty progressive city Mm -hmm. and yeah, you'll, you'll go to neighborhoods that are known for being very progressive Mm -hmm. neighborhoods like the annex. 
and you'll see like on the same front lawn, yeah. um, you'll see one lawn sign welcoming Syrian refugees, let's say. Yeah. And then another lawn sign uh, opposing like a very reasonable apartment block down the down the street from yeah. them. Uh, and you can't you can't have it both ways. You're no. either you're either welcoming of newcomers and not just newcomers from other countries, but newcomers like just new generations, mm-hmm. right? As people grow up and move out of their parents' houses, they need places to live. Mm-hmm. Um or you don't. And and if, if all we do in we show up to a lot of the public meetings that are that are hosted for, for new development applications, mm-hmm. if all we do is just kind of remind them of that tension and maybe point out their hypocrisy mm-hmm. and make them think about it, then I think I think we could be successful at at hopefully changing minds mm-hmm. um but yeah toronto toronto you're, you're exactly right we're, we're we're a very diverse city and we take great pride in it and yet if we continue down this path then only only rich people will be able to live here and and even now if you want to see real diversity actually you go to the inner or outer suburbs oh yeah you don't go no. you don't, don't go don't go you certainly don't go to the annex mm-hmm. um <laughs> and it's 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 too bad yeah, yeah. r.i.p <laughs> yeah um so last question um We've been talking about Toronto because that's what your group focuses on and because Toronto is the center of the universe, mm-hmm. um, obviously. The Emerald City. But what about the rest of the province? Uh, like, um, as far as you like understand it, what's going on in the rest of the province in terms of housing? Um, is there... Uh, is there like a housing shortage? Like, are people able to afford uh, like the cost of living outside of the city of Toronto? Like, even like even in the GTA. Like, do you know anything about that? So, housing in a lot of these cities, um, obviously, it's a lot more affordable than it is in Toronto. But I think I think the the problem with Toronto itself being very expensive is that most of the new most most jobs are in Toronto and yes. most opportunity is in Toronto. Yeah. And even if you look at like employment density maps, most of that is in the downtown core of Toronto. Um, so when you make all or a, a big chunk of the new opportunity available only to people who could afford to live in an expensive city, then you're cutting out a lot of people. And I think even to draw a parallel, this is where you see a lot of problems in the U.S. where you have coal miners in West Virginia who are in a dying industry and then turn to populism and kind of like negative political action. Um, and, a, and a big part of that is because they couldn't move to the Bay Area and get a job in tech, even though there are a ton of jobs in tech, um, even for, for people who might not be that skilled, there are a lot of kind of like uh, services jobs that support tech, but mm-hmm. the housing is, is unaffordable. Mm-hmm. So it used to be back in the day when when like Detroit was the booming the booming city that Detroit built a lot of housing and people moved to where the jobs were and took advantage. Right now, the jobs and opportunity are in Toronto, but for a lot of people, the the cost of housing acts as a barrier and they don't have access to that opportunity. Right, so it used to be like you could just move to the city and like... And get a once, job. Once you move to the city, you can get a, a job, but like because you can't even like fathom like yeah. whatever fucked up... Like, however amount of fucked up rent you have to pay a month in the Bay Area, like you can't even fathom paying that much um, uh, that amount of money. So yeah. you, you can't you, even go. You create this bifurcated economy where people who live in big urban cities, where most of the jobs, for whatever reason, most of the jobs are still being um, still being created in in major. Uh, big urban cities mm-hmm. um, and I think it's partly because people like working close to each other and, and there's a lot of like network effects and that sort of thing um, and then the rest of the country is shut out because there are no jobs where they live but mm-hmm. they can't afford to live where the jobs are mm-hmm. um, so even so so to bring it back to Ontario um, there's not as much opportunity in you know small town Ontario as there is in Toronto and and sometimes what that means is not that we need to like rejig the whole economy and try to get jobs out there 
um, which is a very tough thing to do because um, you're, you're, you're fighting against this trend, but make it easier for those people to follow the opportunity and to move to where the jobs are. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much. This has been very enlightening. So, Kate, housing. Yes. Is it an election issue for you? Um, heck yeah. I live in an apartment, mm. and thankfully my lovely landlord, Paul, has decided not to increase our rent. Shout out, shout out to Paul. Shout out to Paul. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Great work, Paul. He replaced our window, he fixes our dryer. Oh my god. He's an A-plus landlord. One reason I don't want to ever own a house mm-hmm. is whenever there's something wrong, I just call my landlord, and I'm yeah. like, dude, my oven door came off <laughs> the oven door came off like please help me or like last winter it snowed so hard on the roof yeah that the there it leaked in our closet ah. and um and like i was really happy that i didn't have to pay someone to yeah. like fix the roof mm-hmm. so like one like plus of renting for sure yeah is well the fact that you have to spend like a fuck ton of money especially if you like live in an apartment for many years you end up spending like as much as you might spend to own a house. Well, not in the city of Toronto, because no, city no. of Toronto homes are now a million median, plus. The median ho- price of a house in Toronto is like $700,000. That's insane. And that's like a bargain. No one will ever have that much money. No. Ever. I, <laughs> no yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, it's 100% an election issue for me, and for people my age, students who are trying to find affordable housing in the downtown core, which mm-hmm. is uh, next to impossible unless you are a trust fund baby. Yes. Um, shout out to the trust fund babies. Actually, no. Not shout out to them. They get enough bad. Life. Bad shout out to the trust fund babies. Revoking that shout out. <laughs> I, I, I rescind my You don't my get shout any out. more intention. You already get enough. Um, anyway, yeah. So for me, I would vote for anyone who has rent control for mm. post um, 1991 buildings, although I think my house is like old as fuck. So, yeah, it's probably already... Anyway, whatever. It doesn't but, matter. But you you also, you're the kind of person that would vote in the interest of other people, as, that, as well as yourself. That's kind of you. No, it's you too. <laughs> it's you too. Okay, what about you? Is this an election issue? Oh, definitely. I'd also like to see, like, uh, in addition to these, like, rent con- the rent control thing and the foreign buyer's tax, I'd love to see, like, some... St- like some strategies like Chris talked about around like zoning mm. um and oh, I know yeah, that's fuck you if you're a NIMBY sorry yeah fuck you if you're a NIMBY honestly we talk about this in the interview already mm-hmm. so I'm gonna cut that part out or no not the NIMBY thing you can say fuck you cause we should always say fuck you to the NIMBYs yeah um yeah so I think that's definitely an election issue I'd love to see some zoning stuff I know that's a lot of a municipal thing but like you could the province could definitely require that the the municipalities yeah that they have like a certain kind of zoning mm-hmm. um so definitely an election issue um ndp and liberal platforms sound great to me unsurprisingly <laughs> done for <laughs> sounds terrible yeah i mean keeping our hearts and eyes open so open can you imagine how different this would be if like this was christine elliott or i i i actually it, these are no words coming out of my mouth yeah. right now. I actually can't even imagine it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I'm going to try really hard to be empirical and evaluate mm-hmm. his policies mm-hmm. from a place of rationality and overall interest Look and at not um, hatred and fear. She's which 19, is, um, but she's mature as hell. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, okay. So I think that's everything. Yeah. All right, so that concludes our uh, episode two of Undecided. Um, 
We uh, hope you liked it, and we'd love to know what you think. On tw- on Instagram, we are Undecided Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at Undecided underscore pod. Uh, send us a comment or a DM. Let us know what you'd like us to cover. Let us know what you think about the episode. Yeah, what matters to you in Ontario? Um Exactly. Might be different than what we think about. Rate, uh, rate us on if you like the podcast. Rate us on iTunes and leave us a review. That helps get the word out. It helps uh, with our search engine um, like rating and stuff. So yeah. we'd really appreciate it if you like the podcast to leave us a rating. Um, and uh, we'll see you here back next Friday on Undecided. Okay.